I realize your guys' show is for the lore, which seems like it actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Hello and welcome to For the Lore. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 13th of August. Joining Joe and I is Matthew. Who is this Vince that you keep speaking of, Rossi? How's it going, guys? Fantastic. Having an interesting day. <laughs> Having an interesting day. You, Matthew? Um, I'm good. Um, my wife's been out of town this weekend. She went to a wedding uh, in Saskatchewan. Right. So I've basically been bachelor all weekend and God, I need her to come back. Oh, see, I was going to ask, have you been married long enough now that it's a nice little vacation, or is it still the, my God, we've I miss been, her? We've been married for six years, but right. um, I just, my wife and I get along really well, and more than that, it's just, there's a lot of work involved in taking care of every... Taking care of yourself? <laughs> well, me, I don't care. I'll, I don't take care of myself. I'm like, I'll just fall apart, whatever. <laughs> my leg fell off. Well, I don't need that that much. But having to keep the cats fed and having to keep the rabbit fed and having to get the fish fed and then, you know, the bird and so forth. It's just, it's like, my word. It gets a little oh. tougher once you have kids. Yeah, you well, can't just lay kibble why, on the floor. That's why that's not happening. <laughs> that is never going to happen. I've seen my parents. I saw the way that that worked. Not doing it. Nope. <laughs> the world, it's not like the world needs more people. And if it does, there's plenty of people out there lining up to make them. So I figure, hey, I'll just take a pass. Yeah, but we got a lot of space here, like I told you before, up in Canada. You need yeah, to start it, filling it, it up. It does not need to be filled. No one wants to live in 90% of Canada. Nah, uh, that's not true. That's oh, not true. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> uh, there's nothing. At least I want to do more all than we, live up in Nunavut. Yeah. Ooh, dude, all we go. need to do, all we need to do is give people like pickaxes and stuff, just like Minecraft, and let them loose <laughs> on those barren spaces in Canada, and it'll take care of itself. Problem solved. What the hell do you need a pickaxe for? What, what is? We're not kobolds. <laughs> you no take my candle. <laughs> All we need to do is get the pickaxes. They do have pickaxes. <laughs> Big truck really? come over mean... and ship them over. Are, are you sure? <laughs> you speak of the Acme the Pickaxe Company. I said people in general from all over the place and just let them loosen the barren spots. Dude, what do you think? This generation of gamers that is growing up, they're going to want to do that anyway. They're going to, oh, I can, I, can I can carve stone and make stuff. Yes. Never mind. Nobody can actually inhabit this space. It'll be great. They're not going to want to do it for one very simple reason. It involves actual physical exertion. People love stuff when it's on a computer screen. That doesn't mean they want to go do it. All if right. that were the case, the Duck Hunter games would have led to an entire generation gonna, of Duck Hunters. I'm, I'm just going to write a whole article about this and back it up with pseudoscientific facts. That'll be okay, right? That's all you need. And slap on a sensationalist title. And you're laughing. It'll go viral. One day. 
Speaking of which, we had uh, some news today about Borderlands 2. We actually, I was planning on talking about it just because of some of the information that came out about it and how much we are looking forward to it. And of course, all it takes is one site that relies on page views to slap up a sensationalistic title. And then all you need is a bunch of readers who don't bother to actually read the article, just go by the title, or who don't think for themselves, or who lack that common sense in the frontal cortex that they can actually rationalize this. Basically, there was a dev that made a... Uh, what's his first name? It's something Hemingway. I can't remember his first name. He's Jim Hemingway. He's Jim? the head developer yeah. of the yeah. entire project. So basically, in a presentation, he just off the cuff mentioned that there, for lack of a better term, he even said, the Mechromancer has a girlfriend mode tree. And this was quickly corrected later on especially by randy pitchford who said no 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 he's non misogynistic this bastard this was just a slip of the tongue it's not that's not what it's called it's going to be called best friends forever bff mode but basically everybody went batshit crazy here and lost sight of their senses and took this to mean that Gearbox doesn't think that women can game or that women do game, and this is insulting. And I had one person today, and you know who you are if you're listening, buddy, <laughs> that compared this to somebody calling Obama, and I'll say it, nigger. We're all adults here. They compared the two, that this is, they're, they're on equal platforms. One is as bad as the other. And it blew my mind. And then makes the point later to refer me to an article on privileged straight white males and i'm thinking you know what buddy i've actually helped with presentations that have been used across uh, nationally for the government on women's rights and equality in the government my wife's been part of that that group and like I've always supported women's rights. Like, I'm not the one that you want to start this fight with. I gave up at one point and just turned Twitter off because it was absolute stupidity. But, like, there was some actual good news that came out of this, and we found out about the Macromancer. And then, as well, there was another article about some bosses that they're planning for the... Um, for Endgame. So there's actually a lot of good stuff that we'll get to in a couple of minutes here um, that's going on. And I'm afraid that, again, because people are such followers, you're getting people saying, that's it, Gearbox. I guess I'm not buying Borderlands 2. And I'm thinking, you goddamn idiot. Think for yourself, read what was said, and stop going by what somebody on Twitter is trying to flame the trolls and, and get this made into a big deal. On the other hand, oh, since Jesus. you've got me here and you're gonna, you started this, I didn't even want to talk about it. I do understand why some people are pissed off at even an offhand mess, mess mention of this. I do understand why they're annoyed that he said girlfriend mode. I get why they're pissed off. For right. some people, gaming is already pretty damn exclusionist. And, we, you know, we haven't really talked about it here, but we yeah, know we that there's have. a lot of bad... No, 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 I don't mean specifically what I'm about to bring up we haven't talked about. Well, at least I haven't talked about it with you guys. There's some stuff out there that's pretty freaking scary We've talked gamers. about all that, yes. We have yeah, mentioned that. that but not with me here. No, but what so, I'm saying is that, like, yeah, we've covered I, that, and we've proven that, yes, we're against that kind of stupidity. That's not a question. We don't have to prove but, anything. This isn't about proving it. I'm just saying I get why. If, if I were a woman gamer, and I felt like I was already under attack, that I'm already considered less just because I have a uterus, that I can't play a video game because of, you know, what plumbing I was born with, 
I might be really quick to be offended by this. Okay, how about we bring on a woman whom I talked oh, to yeah, today, sure. and she was point blank saying this was stupidity, that people were jumping off of cliffs for no reasons, lemmings, because this yeah, is not insulting. So you're got their own, every woman's got their own opinion. Yeah, no, but you're what I'm saying. Yeah, and, and when we explained it to some other women on Twitter as well, what was said well, in the context, look, it's 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 not insulting. So again, the, let's let's just call this what it is, right? And um, regardless of the other side, I understand that there there's a problem where where some gaming has become exclusionist, especially when the bros started getting heavily into gaming. I've talked about this on, at length. I've written tons of words about it. But here's what it boils down to. It was an offhanded comment, but it was an offhanded comment that the person mentioned once. Eurogamer, Eurogamer, and I'm going to call them out on this, then proceeded to use it 14 more times. Also decided to use it as the title of the article and then lied on Twitter saying that all of the people internally were using it as the name for that mode, which is not the case. A total of five minutes of research on my point. Five minutes of research yielded that the actual creator of the term girlfriend mode was the female voice actor for the Mecromancer herself, who thought it was absolutely the greatest thing ever because her boyfriend sucks at first person shooters. She's the one that came up with it. So, I mean, it's like, and I understand that there's a certain level of sensitivity. I get that. And I understand that you want to be able to have like your, your rights protected and you want to be able to speak out on that. I get that. I fight for equality amongst all human beings regularly. But here's the thing. If you're going to do it, there's a proper way to do it, and then there's screaming at the internet and going on the attack of everybody. When I wake up to an attack on my inbox, me personally, yeah, I'm going to have a problem with that because I'm not a sexist bastard, not even remotely. If I was, I'm pretty sure that Tart would have cut my dick off a long time ago. She doesn't have scissors that small. But uh, no, even still, she maybe would have burned it alive. But the point is, is that... It, Part of the problem and part of the major problem is that it's sensationalist journalism that makes these problems even worse than they are. And then people buy into it, and then it, this is the yeah. big debacle that well, we hear I'm, today. What I'm saying, though, is I don't want people to feel like they're personally under attack for having reacted to it. Right, well, no, 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 to a certain degree they should be. a bunch be. of idiots and so forth. There's a reason people get upset about these kind of things that's, that's bigger sure. than – what Gearbox said. Sure, if but Gearbox, not... Whatever anybody in, in... I shouldn't say Gearbox. One person who works at Gearbox, the lead dev for the game, made an offhand comment based on something someone else said to him while they're developing the game. That's all well and good. The, the bigger problem really is that we've got an industry that gets people to the point where they'll believe what Eurogamer has to say. Agreed. And that's... I just don't want people to feel like their concern about it is being brushed off. There no, was no, actually, no, and that's the thing. Like, and, Courtney, and I agree. If you guys saw Courtney Staunton's post today, uh, she works in game development. She did like a really interesting series of tweets where she talked about how people threatened to rape her to try and get her to shut up. Mm -hmm. Okay, and but that's the kind of thing. That's not nothing to do with Borderlands. Let's make absolutely sure that's got nothing to do with Gearbox. I don't want anyone at Gearbox thinking I'm saying they said that or did that. That's not my point. My point is just that. When people are involved in such a charged discussion, they're going to react. Maybe it's Eurogamer's fault for jumping on that. Maybe it's their fault for not stopping to think. Maybe it's everyone's fault for allowing gaming to get to the point where people really have these kind of feelings and they feel like they can't talk about it. But or again, where people there's... in gaming actually feel like they can <laughs> silence you. 
That's well, the there, yeah, but there's a happy medium. There's there's a there's a big difference between someone being threatened to be raped and that she wouldn't be the only one that this happened to. I've read of other cases like this as well too. There's a big difference between that and someone's offhanded comment about a girlfriend mode. Those two are not even remotely close. This is like someone using the argument of it equates to someone calling Obama a nigger. It's not even remotely the same. So when people fly off the handle and don't bother to do the research to check what this is all about, or even read the article on Eurogamer and then jump to that conclusion, then yes, I do blame them. Yes, they don't have the common sense to read through it and to actually figure out what happened. And and again, to 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 be that incensed over this to me again you can't have the same reaction to somebody walking up to somebody on the street and schmucking them upside the head and somebody walking up to them and blasting their head off they're two different things so anyways that being said let's actually talk about what was said because there was some good information that was released about the necromancer and how the skill trees are going to work like one of the the skill trees and we're not calling it girlfriend mode they're calling it bff is actually going to allow you, they're saying it is going to be a probably an easier style of play because you're going to be able to summon this freaking awesome, <laughs> what are they calling it again? The um, the the weapon of doom thing there, that the, the death trap. Death trap, this yeah. yeah. It's basically just a giant robot, yeah. Which is cool as shit. And the way that I look at this is basically like having a, a Voidwalker, being a warlock with a Voidwalker. So you toss that sucker in he's the one that's going to get aggro plus he's going to have a bunch of different abilities that you're going to be able to use on him and then you just stand at a distance and and shoot they are making it easier for people as well there's going to be skills where there's going to be more ricochet so that as you're shooting if your aiming is off then you're going to get the ricochet kills anyways i'm going to tell you i play (laughs) i play first person shooters on a computer for a reason because i suck at freaking aiming on consoles so that's why i I would be fine with this. Uh, to me, this actually, I don't care if it's an easier way of playing. It sounded cool as shit to me. It's just a, a nice little kind of... Uh, the skill's called Close Enough, according to the article. Yeah, Close Enough. But, I mean, it's a, it's it's that kind of that campy sci-fi TV movie uh, sort of style of combat that just fits so well with Borderlands to begin with. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like I'm blindly shooting and all of a sudden 30 people are dead. It, it's like the fifth element style of blindly shooting type stuff. So, I mean, it's just, it's an interesting little um, ability to kind of give that character, especially one of that nature in this world. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I also like that they're saying that, yeah, it's going to have that, but they're actually working on one of the other trees being something that is far for, for hardcore players, somebody who has a ton of skill while the other tree is going to be something that challenges you. That will be good. It's not like if you play a macromancer, it's going to be point blank, an easy class to play. No, no, no. You can either go the easier route or go the, the hardcore route. And I really like that because again, it sounds like something that's going to offer a ton of variety. So you can choose whichever you you want to play based on an encounter even just switch out so that something's too hard pff, slap in your death trap otherwise go with the uh the more hardcore tree to, to skill tree so i really was quite impressed with that and then on top of that they were also talking about what they're they're thinking about for end game where they're they're creating like in this case here so far they do have one creature terramorphous, terramorphous? Yeah, yeah that's going to be 
kick ass to really damn near impossible to put down. Terramorphus the Invincible. Let's call him my yeah. upper name. Thank you. Someone's going to kill it. I guarantee you. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Somebody will. But they need to realize that one endgame monster does not an endgame make. Like, they, I'm, I'm hoping that they're going to, having seen what's happened with Diablo and people complaining that there's no end game in this Diablo or game. Or what happened with Borderlands 1. Well, with Borderlands 1. So I'm hoping that they're going to put a lot more things like this and more in in 2. Because, yeah, this sounds like fun. It sounds like something to work towards. But yeah, it's not enough for an end game. So Borderlands was one of those things where, like, once I had finished it, the only time I played it was once in a while for fun to get better gear, and then when the expansions came out, and then with friends who had not yet finished it. So it's not like I kept at it solo or even going into random groups after I was done. So if they want people to keep going in, like, they're talking, they're hoping for a 10-year lifespan on this, and I'm thinking... You got high hopes, buddy. I really don't see that happening unless you keep putting out a ton of DLC. Which is very, very possible. Yeah. They were also talking more about once you go down the skill trees, then you're going to be unlocking unique abilities for each player that's really going to define the play style at that point where you're going to have a very different play style. They use the example for Axton, the uh, the soldier class with the turrets, and how it changes later on where you unlock a nuclear detonation ability. Where in then you can toss in your turrets and then they can go nuclear as well. Um, they also talked about um, the assassin class and what he's going to be able to do, which is basically sounds like stay invisible forever as long as you can time your kills right. And even Salvador <laughs> with giving the double fingers. I thought that was funny. <laughs> the come at me, bro. <laughs> so there's going to be a lot of cool stuff to unlock later on. It's just a matter of hopefully once you get to that point, there's still a lot of gameplay to make use of it. All right, let's move away from Borderlands and actually touch on some World of Warcraft news because Joe sent me a link yesterday and it was funny because I was actually playing at the time with uh, with my son and we were we connect through Skype when we're playing and I've got Skype set up here because of the podcast that if I play a video in in uh, Chrome the the sound gets pumped through so you can hear it. So you sent me the link and it's for a Lore Walker video. That is bloody freaking awesome. So I start playing it and I see my son stop playing and because we use the video as well so we can see each other. And and he's listening. And then when there was a slight pause, he quickly said, what is that? That is cool. What is that? And we finished listening to it and it is freaking awesome. Joe, I'll let you explain it. All right. So what we got here was a new video from the Lore Walker, which explains uh, how the essentially the monk came to be, how the monk class came to become a real class. And it was a video explaining how the Pandarans were the slaves of the Mogu, which is something we, we've known, we've talked about before, um, and how uh, a panda comes through and, set, and gives them this big inspiring speech and says, you know, hit me, try to hit me, and, sh- and starts avoiding, their com- avoiding all their blows. And then explains, we are the strength of the Mogu Empire. We don't have weapons, but we are weapons. And he explains about, you know, the iron fists and the iron backs and things like that. And it was just this very, very cool, very, very Kung Fu movie-esque sort of scene. And it was just very interesting because it's one of those things where everybody's been like, well, monk origin story somewhere, somewhere, sometime, right? And I thought that was an absolutely phenomenal video, an absolutely phenomenal quest. And the lore walkers are proving to have some of the best story, like just, I mean, as you would expect, the best story content so far in the expansion for me. 
Like have I you love seen, them. Have you seen the Yongal one? Yes. Yeah, the video for the Yongal was one of my favorite videos. I haven't seen it. What is it? It's basically there's there's a race called the Yongal who are effectively Yak Torin. Like you know how Northrend had the uh, yeah yeah the tor- you know they had the Toron. I the like Aeron. those guys. I hope they bring them as a playable race one time. Well. The Yaktor and the Ongol got there basically when the when the shattering ha- the sundering happened all those years ago. Um, they they got stranded in, in Pandaria. They happened to be there because you know Tauren are nomadic. They mm-hmm. happened to be down there and they got stranded and cut off from their own people, and they had to survive. Which and he as he's telling you this, he's showing you like the you know the Ongol were like, okay, we can't reach the Earth Mother anymore. What do we do? We're stuck here in this weird place, and they discovered fire. And basically turned into a race of nature destroying pyromaniacs because they felt <laughs> that the earth had turned against them, that the sundering was a sign that the earth mother was no longer supporting them and they had to find their own way in the world. So the young are all about wringing power out of the earth and like they, they have all these oil fields. They're big about digging up oil and setting stuff on fire with it because that that's their way they've learned to cope. When the, when the winter after the sundering, they were basically trapped in like foreign climbs and freezing to death and they discovered a way to make fire and turned into who they are now and, he, and as he's telling you this you see it like he shows you the the young all you know starting to set stuff on fire basically you see all of it it's really interesting and it's really a good way to give you history without just being you read a bunch of books or read a quest text you know, it's one thing to have quest text and, you know, some of us will read it and some of us won't. But to have them acted out in front of you, people will stop and watch it. Well, they're well done, too. The videos are fantastic. Like, Joe, you've sent me a few now. And all the ones I've seen, they're so well done that you you don't have a choice. You're going to sit down and listen to all this. It's it's The voice acting is fantastic and fits in. Perfect. And, and that's the thing. Like, and, and they're doing something that is as a lore junkie, as somebody who craves story in every game I play, including World of Warcraft, they're doing something that I've been wanting them to do for a very long time. And the way that they're presenting the story and lore in this expansion is phenomenal. It, like like Rossi said, it's not going through and finding every book in every zone and just reading those or having to go through the quest text. It's presenting it in such a way that's one, fun, two, eye-catching, and three, and, and this is going to sound bad, but it's really not, but, but caters to the lowest denominator. Because at the end of the day, even subconsciously, we, we care about some sort of cohesion in our games. And having that presented in such a way was like, oh, whoa, whoa, what the, what's that? Oh, that, that, oh, that's cool. You know, having that sort of visual element helps so much more than every other way that it's been presented up to this point. Well, the thing, too, is that the entirety, well, I shouldn't say the entirety, like most of the game, it is an interaction. Yes, you do have to read some quests, but otherwise you're talking to people, you're doing things. And so you want that to continue when you're getting these lower stories. And like I always had hoped for something similar to this when they brought in archaeology. And but an, instead, you wind up with a freaking two bags full of useless trinkets that don't do anything. So this is going to be something where in instead you are actually unlocking these these phenomenal stories. Like right now, as it stands, are most of these through archaeology, or are some of them discovered through the books and stuff, or how are they they doing it? I let Rossi handle this one. The Law Walkers, it really, they have like a, one of the quests I did, the, the, the one I saw for the, uh, 
Yongal was just a quest. I think they, they have some that are done through archaeology, some that are done through questing. So they're spreading it out. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. Like, I mean, Jesus, everything I've seen, I would spend most of my time doing that, actually. The thing about the, the, the lore workers that's really interesting is that they also serve to make archaeology less punishing. Yeah. Yes, and we talked about that before, which is yeah. phenomenal, because I wanted so bad to love archaeology, but it's like we're trying to make out with like a pit fire. It just doesn't work out well. No, see, I can't love archaeology one very simple reason. I spent the first four or five months of Cataclysm grinding for the two-handed sword, the troll with two-handed sword. Oh, it was, yes, Zenrock. You know, and not only did I not get it, which is fine, you don't get it. My wife got it. My wife played a hunter. <laughs> yeah. She couldn't even use it. They didn't even make it an attack power weapon, so she could equip it and get some use out of it. It's a strength stamina weapon. Well, the thing too is that because they made it at the 359 eye level as well, it's effectively useless pretty damn fast now. Except so. yeah, except with transmog, it would be useful. Oh, true. Her. Yeah, yeah, true. Okay, I got you there. But. Nonetheless, I didn't even care about it getting useless because it didn't – I, you know, I ground for it during the period of time before patch – you know, before you know, the, the Zulamon patch even came out. There was still nothing better yeah. unless you were raiding hard modes. That weapon was as good as normal mode weapons from raids. I actually – I never got it, but I did grind for that one as well. For the past little while, I've actually been grinding for the Vial of Sands. You want to talk about – an insane grind you're relying on three random random number generators to be able to get it and i i've already pumped in a crap load of time to the point where i've damn near given up on it it's it's just not worth it that's the thing for anything that becomes a profession that can't be too grindy professions need to have some grind to them but it needs to be a grind that you can accomplish it's not like a random drop off a boss where you just kind of have to accept that random drops come and go and you may never get it when it's something that you have to just put in time and just your own time and you can't do anything else if you're doing it. Like if you're, if you're grinding for an archaeology drop, that's all you're doing or you're doing it in between doing other things. I don't know. I just oh, – I agree. The implementation of archaeology, uh, one of the things I'm hoping for is that the lore walkers make it much less about trinkets and much more about so, needs. So needs far start. it's been neat, cool stuff. Like the only thing that lore walkers have that's absolutely like must-have – is being exalted with lore walkers gets you your Goku style flying Nimbus. That's about it. Yeah, I could take that or leave it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it. That's <laughs> See, here's the thing. I got one mount that I actually use. It's Memoron's head. Well, if I had I'm Memoron's never head, not use Memoron's yeah, head. If, so. if I had Memoron's head, I would probably feel like that. But I don't, so I'm gonna get my flying disc, and I'm gonna be okay with that. Because RNG doesn't hate me that much that it's going to keep me from getting the disc. RNG hates me enough that other mounts don't fucking drop for me. Period. <laughs> well, that's like I feel like my friend who got uh, who, who got himself the uh, mount off Arthas, the first heroic kill. Oh, my God. He never writes killed. anything else. I would have killed him. I don't blame him, but I would have killed him. <laughs> okay. There was also uh, a fantastic link that I found that has a bunch of videos on the various races in Pandaria. I put the link in the show notes. Basically, there's a, a video for the, the pandas, of course, for the Mogu, for the Jinyu, for the Hosen, the Mantid, and the Shah. 
they're really, really good videos that give you a lot of information about all of these races. Like the pandas, we've we've covered obviously quite a bit. The mogu as well, they using flesh as as weapons and things like that, which he goes into more detail. It's quite good. Um, say. The 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 Jinyu is fantastic because we get information that I I didn't know. Like I didn't know they came from freaking Murlocs in this the sea that they they grew up in that they developed from that and then he gives you more information how they are the ones that have that are wiser and that have been around a while and things like that and they're the counterpart to the hosen which are the monkey creatures that are sentient but still because of their short lives still fairly wild and he compared them to young teenage boys which i thought hilarious based on the conversations i had on twitter today um but then you have the complete flip between those two races that you come across there are some of the hosen who actually have gone to work in encampments for the alliance in different places and they're not the crazy bastards you'll meet elsewhere but uh but i thought that was super interested interesting and then of course the the mantid and the shah the shah who possess people um there was a lot of really good information that came from those again to prep you for once mist comes out the, i found that the the stuff here you can really see how all of the races are working together that they intermingle so very well they were well written oh absolutely I honestly, one of the things I'm most excited about in Mr. Pandaria is the fact that we've never heard of these guys. Yes. Right. Finally, well, finally, it's all, I mean, there was new stuff in Wrath. I mean, you know, we didn't know who the Vrykel were before Wrath, but this is an entire expansion full of stuff we've never seen and never done. Well, and that's, that's, why, and that's why I made that point when we did our All About WoW episode, like three or four episodes ago, five episodes ago, where it's this, and, and I explained this to Roger and everybody else, like including my best friend forever, Dan, um, who recently just came back. He, he works for a game development company now, came back to visit. This Mr. Pandaria is that same sense of discovery, that same sense of awe and wonder that vanilla WoW had, that classic WoW had, where you didn't know everything. You didn't know every aspect of every continent, of every race, of all these different cities that you never got to visit. This is that same level of discovery, and that's what's really, really cool about it. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, we've been playing this game forever now. Some of us have been playing it for eight years. Yes, we have. There's a certain amount of time that you don't. You just can't have that kind of... It'll never be as new as it was again, but this is pretty close. How far you have know? you gotten into the, the beta, Matthew? I have one level 90 character, one level 87 character. I've done a few of the tests. I've done a couple of raids. Otherwise, I haven't really... like. I've tried to stay somewhat unspoiled. I've actually run a lot less dungeons than I thought I would have. Right. I've only actually run dungeons that I wouldn't be spoiled by running them, so I've only run... The, the revamped Scarlet Monastery and the revamped Sholomonts. Right. Because I know those, even though they're they're very different. And you overall, know, like, what's your opinion? I don't I don't know how to really explain it. One of the things I really enjoy about this game is that, you know, it almost feels like WoW 2.0. I said that before when Kata came out that it felt like such a big change, but this is so much bigger in terms of the change. That and better executed. Yeah, there's some stuff I don't like. I mean, there's some stuff about the talent system that still needs some work, but sure. it just it feels like finally moving forward. Cataclysm felt like stepping back. Like maybe a lot of the revamp was necessary. You needed to do a lot of zone revamping. I'm mm -hmm. totally on board with a lot of it, but it still felt like an expansion that was all about zone revamping. 
Yeah. And it wasn't a lot of end game and there wasn't a lot of going forward. It was all about looking back. Uh, even the fact that the boss was Deathwing made meant that you ended up seeing a lot of old favorites again. Like Chogol comes back finally into the game and you get to see him again. You know, you, you fight Nefarian and it was the expansion of loose ends. It was the expansion of remember all these guys? Hey, it's Ragnaros again. Yep. I mean, that fight was amazing, but it's still Ragnaros again. Now that said, though, when you're saying that uh, most of the content was lower end, I, I'm, I actually found that there was enough content between all of the new zones that we were doing to 85 from 80 to 85. I actually, and I did them all. I got the the, the lore master for that. I did every single quest I could find. I actually found that there was enough with that. That I I felt satisfied with that. I like. Saying I agree. Enough is is true, but think of it this way: Wrath of the Lich King. You could be level 80 and have three zones left to do. Yep. I don't know anybody who, when they first finished Kata, got through to level 85 and had like even one zone completely untouched. Oh, that was me for Vashir because I hated Vashir. Yeah, but, but that's one of the that starting was because zones. because I hated Vashir, right. You were supposed to be able to do it without touching Vashir or without touching Hyjal, depending on how you wanted to do it. But you... But you didn't have like you know the 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 massive amount of stuff you could then go back and do at your leisure. You know, Ice Crown itself was just absolutely full of content. I kind of felt like there was enough in Kata for Endgame, and I certainly felt like there was enough dungeons. But Mists, Mists just has more of everything. Right. For a five I mean, expansion, it's got more of everything, and it's all new to me. And I think one of the things there, one of the important things there too, is is that. It's a shift in the design philosophy because Cataclysm, while it did have a lot of the end game, it really was all about that leveling process and that going through the world again. And it was all about that content through leveling. They wanted the leveling from 80 to 85 to take a while and, you know, be worthwhile and things like that. And now come Mists, I don't know about you, but 85 to 90 is pretty frigging quick. And you can get through it. In a, there's a lot of zones, but you can get through it in a relatively short amount of time. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. The fact that I got to 90 in, like, you know, not much time. But but the point is, like, at, at 90, I don't feel like I'm done. There's so much more that I can still do. And I didn't have that feeling when I first got to 85 in Cataclysm. And that, I think that's really important because the leveling is not the focus. It's everything that the world has to offer that's the focus. See, with because I did a lot of PvP and archaeology initially, holy crap, the experience was nuts with it. Between those, when I was doing my characters, I actually did wind up with time to do other zones that I hadn't yet gotten to, and I was 85. Like, I was doing entire zones, and I was well past the level, but I was doing it for the questing, and I really enjoyed it. Like, I hell, I did Hygel at 85 and cause I'd done Vash on my, my Druid, which was my, my main one. And, um, and I, and Twilight Highlands as well. I was 85 when I did both of those, but I'd done a lot of PVP throughout because I enjoyed it. And then I was doing the, uh, the archeology span as well, which was just a shit ton of experience. So, I mean, if that's the case, then again, that's something that with, with Mist that I'm going to enjoy even more. So that's, that's good. And they have, you know, they have new battlegrounds and so forth too. In mists, so there's that as well. I haven't really done a lot of PvP, even though I have full PvP gear. But uh, I I know that it's they've they've worked on some of that too. I feel like they still need to balance PvP a bit better than they have. They but... they never get that right though. That's the thing. I mean, hell, Toll Brad is still a pain in the ass. But Toll Brad's a pain in the ass for better, different reasons. But it's better than what it was at launch. But Christ, it's still a pain in the ass. So uh, make sure to check it out because it is a video that is uh, or videos that are worth watching. Um, 
and the guy does a pretty good job as well. Let's move away from there now, though, and talk about something that I found that I thought was really freaking cool. And it ties into what we had been talking about a while before with the DLC coming for Mass Effect. And I thought this was cool because a fan has made a Mass Effect adventure game that has a retro kind of pixely look to it. But it's not... Monkey Island style, yeah. Yeah, it's not Shepard. It's about finding Shepard. And it's exactly what we were saying, how... DLC that would be about the characters, your companions who are left alive and what happens to them after and whatever they do, even if it's looking for Shepard, it's still not a story about Shepard. And somebody's doing this where it's Jack is the character that you're going to be playing. And dude, I'm all for this. This would be fantastic. Is that because Jack's your shorty? She wasn't actually. She, she wasn't. I, I By then I was hooked up with Tally. I wasn't going to screw around on tally with jack of all people no way i know that vince did though if i'm not mistaken yeah i think so but i don't know about you guys Does this interests you uh it interests me just because it's an interesting idea i don't i'm not particularly going to play the dlc i mean not the dlc the uh mini game just because i know myself i'm actually still working on mass effect 2 for right now i've been playing it you are still doing it i thought you were gonna yeah. stop uh, no, I went back to Mass Effect 2. You're only been... playing it with the wife when the wife's out of town? Is that what it is? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I started a, a Mass Effect playthrough and just finished it, like, last week. Right. And so started that. I moved that character to Mass Effect 2, and I'm trying to get through. Basically, I'm trying to do everything I didn't do. Like, so I probably will romance Jack in this one because I didn't. I've never done so. I've always been like, yeah, I think you need therapy. Actually, like from lots, what I understand, lots it's, of therapy. she's supposed to be one of the better stories if you romance her, actually. I found so. it incredibly creepy when I started, when I watched the video of it. Like, she basically has a lot of emotional issues. Oh, yeah. And, it, and you oh, have yeah. to push, you basically push, pull her into the relationship in a very disturbing and manipulative way. Well, see, I did some of that at the very beginning, up to the point where it would have screwed up my relationship with Tally. And then I decided, no, I'm not going to chance it. But up until then, yeah, there was a lot of that. But I still found it really really still engaging and really like not everybody uh, is sane not you know some people are just screwed up and some people are screwed up in relationships so and i thought that i thought that uh, at least up to the point that i got to you're gonna have to let me know when you get further in if you if you if you do the boom chicka pow um if it actually stays true to what you would expect from the character because up until eh. the point i got to it it felt real there's a part. There's a part on the video I watched that's. I'll just let you discover that on your own if you want to go look it up. That's pretty creepy. So okay. I don't know. <laughs> it's just. Uh, it's just not for me. But then again, I. I. I just like. I do like the idea that someone went and, and actually said, "Okay, what about after?" Because that's the thing that yep. really bothers me that's about what we want. an aspect through the ending is, you know, it, it sort of just gets to the point where you do, whatever you do, and then. They have now they have a nice video afterwards that says, and then all this happened. It's like, yeah, I didn't buy this game so you could explain the ending to me. I bought this game to play it. So, who was your main romance character? Uh, Companion. Let me think. Actually, I don't think I romanced anybody in the first game. Yeah, because I hate Kaiden and Ashley was too racist. <laughs> okay, but in three, your, your playthrough on three, who did you romance? Oh, hmm. Did I have time for that? Sometimes I skip these things. I think in two, my romance, I, I romanced Miranda for a while and then thought, nah, I'm going to go with Tali. Okay. And then for three, I think I ended up staying with Tali. Yeah, I did. Okay. I remember because Ranok. Yeah, you got the photo frame, the photo on yeah. your bedstand with her. 
Okay. Yeah, so I guess it's been Tali both times. And and Joe, who did you do again? You? It was uh, Miranda. Wasn't Miranda. It? Yeah. Miranda in two. Yeah. And then Ashley in three. Yeah. Which had that very interesting interaction between the two in regards to each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. I remember you talking about that. So again, I, do you guys agree though? If if a DLC came out for your romance companion. Would that be something that, regardless of how you felt about the... Okay. I wouldn't even need it to be my romantic companion. I'd like to see... You know, Garrus, even if you weren't romantically involved with him, Garrus is like your best friend at this yeah, point. You, yeah, you love him. You, you love guys him have been through hell. Even, you know, the, the whole I love you, man thing. I mean, you and Garrus go up on a rooftop and shoot stuff out of the Citadel. People are flying by and you're shooting things. <laughs> I love that scene. Whatever your relationship with Garrus is, you guys are tight. And, you know, he's got to be thinking, I got to go find him. See, you I didn't. I, mean? I didn't get that scene. Whatever you're talking about, I really? didn't get that. You no, did, I, I got. I got that too because Garrus was in both games. Like you know, he was the pseudo relationship. I guess you would say. Like it was always chummy with him. I took him on every single mission with me. Like Garrus was the one that I trusted in a firefight. Right. Yeah, and, Garrus is even the guy that I back in. I remember when I got my perfect ending the first time in Mass Effect Two. It was because I picked Garrus to lead the secondary. Yep, exactly. Game. Same here. Same here. Same oh, exact yeah, I reason. Didn't. So yeah, we got we got this awesome scene where Garrus like you get an you get an invitation from him. You get like a little communication that says, "Hey Shepard, I want you to go meet me here." And so you go to meet him, and you you wind up going up to the roof on top of one of the breezeways on the Citadel. And there's all this traffic going by, and it's like a beautiful sunny day. And there's literally what they have is they have a cooler, cans, and a sniper rifle. <laughs> and what they're doing is they're shooting the shit back and forth. They're throwing the can out in there, and they're taking the shots, like, just, you know, oh, I'm better shot than you are. Or, no, I'm the better shot than you the are. The best part, you know, Garrus was like, it's time we finally settled this. You're okay with a gun. Yeah, exactly. So it was, <laughs> that, it was that, me, I'm magic. But it was that, it was that, that camaraderie, and, you know, it was, that, it was yeah. the perfect personification of the relationship between Shepard and Garrus, in See, my opinion. when I had the videos with him, it was... I, I went and saw him in the, the engine room. I didn't meet him anywhere else. And, and there was some great talks with him in the engine room that, that were the, you know, punch on the arm bro kind of thing. But uh, nothing like that. No, it's it's actually really cool. It's, it takes place in the Citadel. The best part of the whole thing is when he's giving you, he's ribbing you about him being a better shot. You turn to say, no, Garrus, some people have seen me in action. They seemed impressed. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But yeah, no, if, if they had a game where Garrus was running around, fuck yeah, they'd have my money in a heartbeat. Well, not even yeah. a game, just a DLC. I mean, yeah, yeah. 20 bucks, like fine, to, I'd, your, I'd like to see, you know, what, I'd like to see more of what happened after. I, I will admit, too, that I kind of hope, I would love to see that Shepard walked off of that Citadel one way or the other. I would like that, even if he died somewhere else, I don't care. I don't really want him to die surrounded by like all that carnage like that, but it happens sometimes and you have to accept it. But I'd be down with seeing what happened to the other people, what happened to Ashley or slash even horrible Kaiden, who I hate. I, I mean, it's really that, funny I want because that end story. It's really funny too because the voice actor for Kaiden is also the voice actor for uh, Karthanasi in, in, in the uh, Knights of the Old Republic, an uh, actor named Raphael Sabarge, who's a great actor, and I think, you know, I liked him in a lot of stuff he's been in, but I hate the two voices <laughs> he's done for Bioware. Not even the performances. I just hate the characters. I hate Kaiden so much. Yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely in the, the boat with you. <laughs> well, I, I hated Ashley a lot worse. I Ashley at least improves as a person. 
Well, Titan never gets any better. Ah, uh, see, I I did not like her in the first game because again she's, she's horrible. raced horrible Space racist. Racist. But then in two as well, when you're playing two, then she's giving you shit when you try to oh, go and rescue oh, her, oh, and then oh, it's like, oh, whoa, whoa. Oh. I I agreed with you on that one until I saw my wife's playthrough, and when Kaiden comes out, a million times worse. Oh really? Ashley Ashley is at least complimentary about you. Even as she rips into you, she's still like, you were this hero. You are so important. Kaiden just, I'm just going to say, he just shits all over you. Oh, really? With yeah, whiny, yeah. passive-aggressive bullshit. <laughs> he does. Oh, my God. He honestly, honestly does. It's terrible. It's so terrible. And the worst part is Rafael Sabars is a good actor, so he makes you believe that Kaiden is a horrible jerk. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I can uh, agree with that. So, anyways, Bioware, the point of this all is you had quite a few characters there that we care about what happened to them after this and what, regardless of what happened to your shepherd, I'm all right with, you know, with there being like in team fortress two with little arrow saying bits of shepherd here, a little bit of shepherd. <laughs> you know, I'm all right with that. <laughs> I care about the people. Look at how many DLCs that they can put out that it, and I'll be honest, if the DLC was as good as, the best DLC they've put out for like Liliana's game or story and different things like that. The ones that were good, not the crappy Morgan stuff, but if it was good, I'd be willing to plop down 20 per character as long as it, it was worth that dollar amount in, in, in terms of how long it is. They could milk this for well over a year, giving you the end story for each of the characters. I don't even need an end story in one case. I want to see Miranda tracking down her father. Oh, mine, she's dead. All that stuff, all that stuff before you even meet her again. What happened? How did she find him? How did she find out all that stuff? And then do one after one for Miranda. You could do two for Miranda. Yeah. yeah. I no. mean, I even, I'm, Miranda's not even one of my favorite characters, but I'm very interested in that whole scenario. Heck, you could do a whole thing about someone hiring Zaid. What the heck has Zaid been oh, doing absolutely. for a year? You know what? Do, along those lines, I want to know Thane's story in between. Yeah. Because you get so little of Thane in this, but it is so unbelievably epic. And with with if you follow through with the death and you keep visiting over and over again, that that ending with him and his son is unbearably epic. I loved it. So if they could give me a DLC with the from ME two to this point, what happened with him? My God, I'd be a happy man. Yeah, I, there's a lot of stuff that would be interesting to me. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that they could do that would make us all happy, and that's really what it is. Like, they have like all the stuff that they could possibly do, uh, and we're just not seeing it. Yeah. All right, let's talk about a couple of other games before we wrap up. Actually, Joe, you were pretty excited still about Sleeping Dogs. I got to tell you, you know, I, what I'm seeing is good, but not good enough to be worth the hype. I don't know. I'm what am i well, missing it's, here it's the it's the potential right it's that it's that potential of is this huge cinematic action movie experience that's being done by square enix who is you know supposed to be among the masters of telling a story so it, it's it's one of those things like i love those action movies i love those type of stories and to see it get that sort of love and attention that it, it's getting when it was originally going to be a, a basically a dead ip uh is just enchanting to me like i really want to play this game matthew on your radar at all uh, it hasn't really been no but you know i part of the problem just don't hear about everything okay so the, it is a good trailer though watch it um 
the fact that it, this takes place in Hong Kong too, does it not? Because it's it's not taking place here, in North America. Am I right, Joe? You don't uh, know. I think so. Yeah, because originally right. it was going to be named uh, what was it? Something true crime. Uh, true Hong, crime Kong. Hong Kong. Yeah. So and yet, like everybody's got perfect English voice acting. And so that to me is a disconnect as well. So I think it would have been better to use local talent so that you do have a blend of both English and various Chinese dialects. So, but anyways, and, and I don't know, we'll see when it comes out. It might very well be something that I pick up. They've got it on for pre-order right now on Steam 2 and you can get some, some if you're into Team Fortress 2. It seems every game right now is tossing in Team Fortress 2 stuff. So I just picked up um, Hero Academy, Heroes Academy on Steam because it went up and I get like a whole freaking Team Fortress crew on it too, which is awesome. Oh, this is the funniest thing. What? Uh, I'm sorry, I was reading the show notes while you were talking. <laughs> Now I, you're reading them? <laughs> I've been reading them the whole time, but this particular one I hadn't I hadn't noticed. It was between two other things. That Rhode Island now owns Amalur. Yeah. Yep, I put that in there just for you. <laughs> I can't wait to see this one. Rhode Island, people who've made such stellar financial decisions as well giving money to 38 Studios. <laughs> you know what? I still yeah. think, again, if if Epic was smart, they'd put a bid in for that. I, and, I, I, I agree. And I don't it. know who's going to do it, but... I, I hope oh, they actually do get something of, out of it. Speaking of, okay, so uh, I got a little insider information again from my best friend, and uh, 38 Studios came up in topic this weekend over beers and cigars, of course. And uh, apparently they were super close to Copernicus, a lot closer than they let on. Like, it was just about done. So I wouldn't be too surprised if maybe Rhode Island goes and makes a stab and says, we have all this stuff that's almost done. Finish it and put it out. Because it's there. It's already done. All the work is pretty much to done who? on it. it just, they, they've, they've got to sell it to somebody, though. 38 would be a... I'm sorry. The Ashes of 38 Studios Epic Games might be a good place to go with it. Like, look, let's forget about what happened there. You guys are awesome. You did good work. Let's just push this out the door. Yeah, but you know what? Epic is actually downgrading their their big games and moving towards sure, IS, all... I, iOS development anyway. Sure, they are. But at the same point, right now, what we're looking at is an almost completed game. Yeah, but see, again, we're hearing a lot more, too, about how MMOs are, are, are not doing as well right now. And then in terms of, like, seeing well, subscription the subscription-based MMOs subscription are so well. Yeah, and then, of course, too, like, we can put a positive spin on what's going on with the free-to-play for Star Wars. But when it's investors looking at it, they're seeing doom and gloom. They're not seeing the positive maybe that might come about in a few months. So, yeah, it's, plus, I mean, with, with something like this, the problem is, is the people who own it at the moment are not necessarily all that clued into game development True. or gaming as a whole. So it comes down to, does anybody, you know, does anybody say, hey, let's get someone who actually knows what we have to tell us what we have? Yeah, because it's not just Rhode Island. It's Rhode Island and the bank, too, that co-own yeah, it. So that's going to be York. a little interesting there, how they're going to decide who gets what. So, but anyways, uh, moving away from there, though, there was also the uh, the Dishonored video that I thought was pretty cool, too. The, one of the things that they're really marking up about this is the variety of ways that you can go about doing your quests. And here they talk about three different ways. Joe, I'll let you tackle this. All right. So one of the things we talked about with Dishonored was that they saw people using powers in weird and interesting ways that weren't originally intended to be used like, but instead of being a developer that said, no, that's not how we want our game to be played. Let's take that out. They went, 
oh, that's fucking cool. Let's keep that in. You know what? Let's show some other ways that are really, really awesome about that. So here we have in the Dishonored Creative Kills uh, trailer, essentially, uh, there's one where it's Death by Rat, where it, show, it shows multiple different scenes in which you can actually con, convince, or trick NPCs into killing rats or walking into hordes of rats that triggers this massive flow of like a rat Razor mess. blades and shit, too. <laughs> oh, God, yes. That just completely, totally, and utterly destroy them. This includes to even you getting your possession power up high enough that you possess one of the people and step on a rat and then get out of the body and watch them die. That was hysterical. Um, my favorite, though, I think, is the Friendly Fire one. And the Friendly Fire one, because, again, it goes to that possession level power, where you're freezing time, possessing somebody's body so that they're outside of that time bubble, moving them into where you were, and then shunting out of the body and watching them get exploded by their friends. I mean, it was just like some of the ways they were doing that was absolutely hysterical. Um, it was just so phenomenal. And then they have the reversal of fortune, which is where um, things activate or deactivate at inappropriate times, uh, which was kind of cool with like the energy fields, um, the barrel uh, where they were shut, like the barrel of gasoline or energy core, whatever it is. Uh, it looks like a giant barrel of gas, but where they were like able to throw that and like get it to the position where it would lock in and activate the shield after using their time shunting abilities and jumping from platform to platform. It was just absolutely well done, ingenious kills, and it was four minutes of just, I want to do this in this game. Well, what I liked is that when you're looking at it in terms of like the complexity of some of what they did, it wasn't just a, again, go up and shoot someone in the face. Like the, the one with the rats that they show off, like you, you summon the rats, then you like freeze the time. He was putting razor blades mm -hmm. traps on the rats and then possess the rats and then run up to the mobs and explode them like it's it's just this series of events that you can play with and have fun it's to the point where again you you have this epic kill and when he killed with those rats and the razor blades it was like boom they were dead and like ripped apart too <laughs> but it's not just the boring go up behind them and slit their throats or kill them it was like how just how ingenious can you be with all the tools we've just given you absolutely and that's what it is it's celebrating ingenuity well, more importantly also it's motivating people to do some of the work for them. I don't know how to put this exactly, but when you allow that kind of gameplay, people will go out of their way to do it. They will spend hours playing the game, trying to come up with the strangest way possible to kill someone. And that's replayability that you don't have to design. Yeah. That's, you don't have to come up with it. You just say, here's, you know, here's some matches in a newspaper. What can you do with that? Oh, you can burn a flame build a flaming sculpture. I didn't see that coming. And then your job is done. You just get out of the way and let them do it. Yeah. So again, the more we're seeing the 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 more it's getting me excited for the which is it, which is odd for me, but it's getting me excited for the the gameplay more than the story even because normally it's the complete reverse. I, I yep. I care about gameplay, but I want that story. And this is just my God, what kind of fun and trouble can I get into here? And then there was also a DMC video that you were impressed with. I got to tell you though, like. I, I I wasn't as impressed. Well, I mean, it's not so much impressed, but it was a 
excitement to see something more than just, oh, this building's coming alive, and to show that the gameplay in it is actually much more exciting than even previous Devil May Cry games have been. And I'm a, cause, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the Devil May Cry series. I'm not going to lie. I really, really am. I make no apologies for it. I just love that series. And seeing something like this where, you know, Ninja Theory is, is coming out and doing some amazing, cool stuff with the, how the, the player itself navigates through the world, you know, in a much like a, well, we're going to say a Darksiders type of way, which is perfect for Dante. It's phenomenal. It's fun. It's exciting. And it just looks cool as shit and fun. And that makes that made me excited about it. And also, it's the first trailer that we've actually seen with real gameplay footage as opposed to just CG uh, boss interactions. I thought it was cool that it looked like a platformer at one point, but you make your own platform. Yep. <laughs> He's bringing everything to him to move around. I thought that was a cool way to do that. I thought that was really, really nifty, too, especially the um, and the environments. The environments were a really nifty part about it, too, because we hear about how these environments are going to like evolve and, and, and form up and, and change, but we actually haven't seen it. And here we are. We're seeing the the demon in the buildings come around and try and form the buildings, whether it's words forming on the wall or you know hallways shifting and things like that, which is really really cool. And then you have the big guy boss fight, which is absolutely phenomenal for this style of gameplay. So you know it made me very happy. And it's I will be picking up this game. There is no question in my mind. I will be playing this game. Matthew, I. Be quite honest, I haven't played Devil May Cry in years till I saw the most recent trailers. Um, and I was thinking, I didn't even know that they were making a new one until I saw like one trailer just turned into an absolute phenomenon. Everybody was talking about it, and it was like, wow, apparently this is new. I didn't even know that was happening. So I'm, I don't know that I'll play Devil May Cry, although I played the first one and used to get my ass handed to me constantly. As the game could get pretty hard. Uh, yes, it could. Pretty savagely hard. So I, I, I haven't seen the trailer here because it won't load. <laughs> I don't know quite why it won't load, but it won't. Because it's in Japanese. Uh, but um, <laughs> The Japanese don't like you. I did see that, you know, I I don't even know how to put it. it it's It doesn't play very much. Like, after the last couple of Devil May Cry's and the one where they brought in the new guy, I I hated that game. Okay. I, I really I didn't, didn't play it. like it. And so I'll give this one a shot. Just in, in case it's better. It's still Dante. Does that if make any is, difference if, to you? If it's actually Dante and not, you know, Nero or whatever his name was. No, it's 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 Dante. It's just a different incarnation of Dante. It's the younger or... version of him, right? Yeah, exactly. His black hair and everything. And yeah, it's yeah. like the much much younger version of him, supposedly. Yeah. So. Okay. One of the games that I am still excited for that I'm hoping hell does get out, which they said it will, is the Last freaking Guardian. Last Guardian. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, this that's, is over that's... three years in the making, goddamn. Oh, yes. <laughs> You've got to do a sequel to Shadow of the Colossus. So, oh, my God, what the heck have you people been waiting for? So, this was announced three years ago, and uh, they're saying we haven't abandoned it. It's still being worked on. So, I, I, I'm all well and impressed that you're saying it'll be out when it's out and we don't want to rush it. But,. I think three years is not rushing it anymore. You you can put this shit out. Please don't Duke Nukem this. Yeah, really. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't, don't. Also, don't. don't Duke Nukem it in any other way. Let's just not use that phrase, yeah. but... But uh, but yeah no so that was some good news actually that uh, that's coming out and also Joe you were excited about the uh, 25th anniversary of Mega Man. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm a huge fan of retro gaming. I I, I also make no qualms about that, but it, it's kind of cool because he is coming up on his 25th anniversary. And we've seen some cool stuff like the fan-made uh, Mega Man X Corruption that's being put out. 
Um, and we've seen a bunch of the newer games that are coming released. And they're starting to talk about, well, it's been 25 years for Mega Man. We're going to do something really, really, really super awesome. Just kind of stay tuned. So it's kind of I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what we're going to get out of it because it's been 25 years. Do something cool with it. Mega Man's one of my all time favorite games. Yeah. Well, especially since, you know, you, you can't go a month without some new Zelda game for some console or another. Yeah, exactly. But they haven't made a lot of Mega Man games. Well, I mean, they did for a while, but they just yeah, weren't but, very good. Well, like Mega Man time, Battle was... Network. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't yes. actually report it into the um, iOS, and I know that you were saying you didn't like the port, but actually I didn't mind it. Well, the, the reason I didn't like the port is because it was it relied on a lot of weird control schemes, at least on mine. Um, I don't know. I just couldn't adjust to it quite well. I mean, if I had a Bluetooth, like, Nintendo controller, maybe. Right. But. Yeah. I don't know. With that, we're actually going to bow out. We're going to next week be going a little bit further on that discussion, and we are going to be talking a little bit more about uh, the, 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 the surge that we're seeing of retro games and with new games that are using certain themes or, 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 or mechanics from older games. And we're going to go into some of the ones that have come out as well as some of the ones that we might like to see come out as well. So again, I'd like to thank Matthew for taking the time for this episode. Thank you very much for popping by, man. No problem. And uh, we will be back next week, of course. Show notes are at ForTheLore.com. The site is working again. Yay. <laughs> it was down for a while, but that's because my host was on holidays, so that's why. <laughs> but anyway, so the, the show notes are up. Of course, we are on Twitter at ForTheLore. And also, if you need to send anything, you can send it to ForTheLore at gmail.com. And with that, we will see you guys next week. I was very, very pleased with myself. It doesn't then, take much for you to be pleased with yourself, let's be honest. <laughs> true, I got out of bed today. I was very pleased with myself. We have just one day where we don't fucking shoot each other. Just one. You're in I'm Canada going. now. You don't have to care. Uh, we I'm don't have that shit here. We, 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 we do a little bit, but very rarely. Yeah, we had you... a guy get on a bus and cut off someone's fucking head, head while yes. sitting on the bus. But that's so. rare. That's rare. For the most it's... part, we call each other nasty names, but not even to our faces. I'm sorry. The other problem <laughs> is Canadians don't have any sense of personal space, especially in Alberta. You guys will just walk right the hell up. I'm, I'm sitting in a supermarket trying to get like something out of a cart. You will come right up. You will touch me. Yeah? Why the not? American, the American, <laughs> because I will fucking house you. That's why you don't touch me. No, you won't. I have you, done so. You got to get I shoved that it. guy back a good 20 feet. He's like, don't touch me. Uh, I grew up in America. I know full well I can be killed at any moment by a lunatic with a gun, so I don't like to be touched. Yeah, but that's not here. Eh, it'll happen here. Eh, pretty rare. Hum humanity will find a way to destroy itself. It's inevitable. No, everybody else except for us. I find the time travel in Doctor <laughs> so irritating, I can't believe it. <laughs> Wibbly wobbly timey wimey I'm gonna punch you in the head. Time works in a very specific manner. <laughs> <laughs> Go read Joe Haldeman sometime. Gah! <laughs> you don't know how it works. Maybe it does. I, I do. But you I'm don't not... know. Yeah, I do. No, you don't. I've <laughs> got two books published on this subject. Yes, I do. That don't mean I've been to the future several times. See? <laughs> that would be your only credentials. And I don't believe you, so it doesn't count. Uh, more whiskey. This sounds like a good idea.